And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Nobody's graduating. We're just honoring one of the all-time greats. There's never an all-time good, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. Where are the all-time goods? Um, I think, actually, there are all-time goods. Like, I'm thinking, like, uh, IRS and maybe uh, Doink the Clown. Um, I, want th- I want that Hall of Fame. It's not even a Hall of Fame. It's a Hall of Renown. Come on. IRS is going to go into the Hall of Fame sooner or later. If only so his sons can induct him. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Repo Man should go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, He should. Barry Darso, man of many gimmicks. If uh, Charles Wright, a.k.a. the uh, Godfather Papa Shango can, then so can... um, Barry Darso, Demolition Smash, The Repo Man, Crusher Cruise Chef, Hole in One, Barry Darso, <clears throat> and The Blacktop Bully. I mean, when's Demolition going in? You would think they would. You would think. because Up until recently, great. they were uh, world record holders. So, how you doing? How was your vacation? You got away for a while. We're going to talk a Randy Savage on today's episode of DDT Wrestling, but uh, people always want to hear about the great Doc Manson, the pod beast incarnate himself. Um, you you do look you do look a little relaxed, a little rested, like you've been away on the beach for some time. How was your vacation? Uh, it was good. It was good. We had a grand old time. Uh, we did not spend really any time on a beach, um, but, you know... Were you near the water? At times. I mean, I did I did walk across a beach uh, to go walking down a boardwalk uh, over the marshlands. So, I mean, I suppose that counts. Okay. Um, are, are you not a beachy person? I'm sure we'll get into this as we get into summer and DC and Doc Talk, but... Uh, no, you don't... no. I'm, uh, I'm very pale and... When exposed. Oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that time you were on the beach and you turned like strawberry red. Oh, oh that yeah. was bad. That was so bad. Pretty sure I had sun poisoning. I just didn't go to a hospital. Yeah, that was not good. No. So now we tend not to do that. I mean, someday I'd like to think that maybe we'll get ourselves some beach chairs and a really large umbrella, and then maybe we'll make mm-hmm. a go of it again. But, well, they uh, have the chairs that that have a roof. No, this needs to be, like, a condominium over my head, at least. Uh, Yeah, there's got to be much less. You need to go down to, like, the tropics where they have the whole cabana with, like, a day bed. So you you can be on the beach while not actually touching sand. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, Well, I am glad you had a good vacation. Uh, I'm going to guess you watched zero wrestling this week. 
That would be correct, sir. And I didn't. I watched some. I watched some, but I was not. I was not keeping up. Uh, but I'm prepping myself because we've got a UK. We've got some UK stuff happening tomorrow. We do, or I suppose it already happened, but it's going to be broadcast tomorrow. What is it? Um, I've literally heard nothing about anything. uh, Tyler Bate versus Mark Andrews, uh, Pete Dunn versus Trent Seven. It's it's going to be like they went and did a tour, and they had cameras rolling, so they're going to show a couple of matches. Um, I think it's are the matches. All from the same show, or are they? From I think it's going to be from different shows. I think it's kind of like a best of hmm. sort of thing. But um, but there's going to be some UK action, which is good. Then we've got NXT Takeover Chicago on Saturday, and then Backlash on Sunday. So you know, there's going to be a lot of wrestling happening this weekend. So you know, I'm just I'm just kind of preparing myself uh, by taking a little a little bit of a break. So okay, yeah, I, I mean, I'll definitely watch. Um, takeover. I'll probably watch the UK stuff at some point. Maybe not tomorrow. Um, Backlash. I suppose I will also watch Orton oh, versus should... Mahal. Owens yeah, versus I... Styles. Yeah, I mean, Usos whatever. versus Breezango. Hmm, 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 that hmm. six woman tag team match. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sami um, Zayn versus Baron Corbin. You're not selling me. Hmm. Luke Harper versus Eric Rowan in a cre- creepy clown mask. If you get the chance to watch something, I know you have a couple more days. You have a, you have a few more days off. Watch Eric Rowan on Talking Smack. Okay. I submit the best thing he's done so far. Not saying I, much. I also but presume the best thing he's done so far. I presume that there was also a third entry into the fashion files that maybe I should check out. I have to be honest. I if there was, I missed it. Oh, <clears throat> but that good. Huh? But I would I would assume I I didn't watch SmackDown. SmackDown has not been besides Breezango. SmackDown has not been selling me and that, very the, well. The thing is about that. Um, SmackDown. I'll agree. I'll I'll agree. Has not been selling me very well. Uh, but it's still the show that I prefer of the two. Nope. I watched some Raw. I wound up falling asleep during part of it. Uh, but I watched some of it and then kind of caught up. You know, Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt. That was fun. Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor was pretty good. I know you would have no reason to watch that match, but... Let me put it this way. There are people who I enjoy watching on SmackDown. Okay. I also failed to mention, which is sad considering... Uh, that Shinsuke versus Ziggler is yeah. also going to be on Sunday. Uh, it shows how little I care. Um, I think they've done, having not watched this whole past week, uh, I think they've done a terrible job with Shinsuke's introduction to the main roster. I don't get it. They, they're making him out to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. and um, But that's all in the build, and then... You know, this is all Ziggler is doing this all himself. He's he's doing the lion's share. I'm much more interested in Ziggler than I am in Shinsuke. In fact, if I was going with my, you know, what I want to have happen, I want Dolph Ziggler to win. I would like Shinsuke to start his WWE career with a loss. Won't happen, 
No. But I would like that. No, zero. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here because this is not what this show is going to be. Uh, We will record DC and Doc Talk and we will actually do an episode where we talk wrestling. Why would we we do that? Because then we can kind of go through, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but we will go through and talk about this because obviously there are things to talk about. I guess. We haven't even covered... um, NXT TakeOver and all of my questions and, you know, just curiosities with that. I think I've watched one episode of NXT since the last TakeOver. I think we're getting to that point where people are just going to start watching pay-per-views, especially when it comes to NXT. But I I almost think that's going to start happening with WWE as well. If you're going to have one or two pay-per-views a month, why not? Just watch those. The thing is, without the weekly television keeping me hooked in, I began pay per views at all. I began to question why I have the network. I began to question what I would, what I would do with just the paper. Would I watch just the pay per views? Something tells me I would not recognize when they were on because I wouldn't Mm -hmm. open. I don't open the network app as is, except when I know there's going to be a pay-per-view, and I know that from watching the weekly television or from the show, I suppose. Um, as I just said, I'm not watching NXT, really. I'm not watching 205 Live. So, then what? I suppose. I suppose, I suppose. I think, you know, I think it's going to be people watching either the edited version on Hulu or whatever WWE posts on YouTube because they post a decent amount of stuff on YouTube. Um, but well, again. Uh, Hulu now has a beta up for their live television service, of which USA is one, so you could watch the complete uh, show at least live. I don't know if you can watch it after the fact. But they have DVR built in as well, so I suppose you could DVR it and watch the full show. Well, I suspect I will be making that switch uh, soon. Very good. All right, but let's get to the topic at hand. Pomp and circumstance is what started our show. Na, 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 Yeah, sorry, as you were saying. Um... When you hear the name Randy Savage, oh yeah. Besides that, <laughs> uh, what comes to mind? Uh, that is it. Oh yeah, I remember. Uh, there is a mod for Skyrim. I don't know if you've ever seen this on the PC. I have seen it. Uh, it replaces all of the dragons with flying macho mans, basically the faces, uh, and, and as they swim, as they, as they, as they. Fly around the sky and swoop in. Uh, all they do is go ooh yeah over and over again. It, it, it's pretty much the the pinnacle of, of the video game medium. Uh, I I think nothing will ever top that that surreal so, sort of uh, visage. Uh, so I, I think we should pack it up. We should call it a day because I mean that, that's, that's really it. that's his career summed up. I think that's his legacy. Uh huh. You don't even want to talk about Bonesaw McGraw from Spider-Man. Bonesaw, Bonesaw is ready. ready. Yeah. Um, 
That's good stuff, too. All right. But let's get in. We we have talked about the career of What do uh, I think about? Yeah. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, I'm just I'm saying, you know, uh we are coming up May 20th, so that will be Saturday. Um is will be the 6th anniversary of Randy Savage's unfortunate passing. Mm. Um and so in in honor of his life and his career, let us talk about Randy Mario Puffo. His middle name was Mario. Uh, born November 15th, 1952 in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he comes from a wrestling family. Are you familiar at all with his father, Angelo Puffo? I am not. Well, let me tell you just a little bit. Angelo Puffo is a wrestler. Um, he wrestled in Canada, you know, in, in the kind of, you know, I think it was like the 30s through the 60s and 70s. Um, But he wrestled under a mask, and he was either known as the Masked Miser or, according to Wikipedia, let me preface that here, disclaimer, much of this is from Wikipedia, um, one of his other nicknames was apparently the Carpetbagger, which sounds dirty, but I don't know if it is. Hmm. <laughs> um, you know, also apparently, how many sit-ups can you do? You you try to keep in shape. You tend to exercise from time to time. Yeah. Uh, you go for walks and you're down on the elliptical and all of that. How many sit-ups do you think you can do? Probably about six. Okay. Um, apparently... <laughs> Angelo Puffo set a Guinness World Record. He did 6,033 in four hours and ten minutes. Does that um, record hold today? I don't know. <clears throat> I I have to imagine someone would have, because I think it was like in 1973 or something like that. So I would assume somebody would have tried to break it, but I don't know why you would want to. <clears throat> unless you just enjoy Like Finn Balor, maybe, with his eight-pack could do it. But, um, you know, I, I've done my fair share of sit-ups, and I don't think I have anywhere near proper form. I can get about 15 or 20 before I feel like I'm about to vomit. So Don't they tell you that sit-ups are bad for your back now? Don't, don't yes. They, don't they recommend crunches? Yes, but then again, I don't know that I could tell you the difference between a sit-up and a crunch. Oh. I just I kind of just fold my body together <laughs> and after a few I fall over into the fetal position uh-huh. and I go to sleep. That's okay. that's my exercise routine. Um <clears throat> Randy also has a wrestling brother. Larry. Lanny. That was close. <laughs> you were close. Uh Known to many as Leaping Lanny Poffo because, well, I don't know that's because, but one of his gimmick was he would run into, you know, run into the ring and throw frisbees to the fans in the crowd. If you tried that today, you'd you'd get sued for hitting somebody. Wait, I don't understand how throwing frisbees is related to leaping. I don't think the two went together necessarily. I think he was just popular with the kids. So he had frisbees with his face and name on them and he would throw them into the crowd. I don't oh. know why. All right. Uh, but he is better known to most of us as the genius who was a manager in the 
eighties and nineties. Yeah. Managed the Beverly Brothers. Was around for you know various different things. Spoke in rhyme. So to me, he's kind of kind of a you know kind of a muse. big deal. Kind of a big deal. An inspiration, if you will. He was. He was. He was. Um, you you know. hear that, Chris Ock? You hear that? Blame Leaping Lanny. That's who you there have you to go. blame here. Uh, Randy Savage had a career, or Randy Poffo, I should say, uh, had himself a decent baseball career, was a minor league baseball player for the Cardinals and the Chicago White Sox, uh, and during the offseason was looking for something else to do and decided to pick up professional wrestling because his was a family uh, institution. And his first character, oddly enough, was known as the Spider. And then would go on to play Bonesaw is Ready. Just, I find those things interesting. Mm. Um, you know, he began wrestling as Randy Poffo, and some of the people who were training him and, and kind of working with him at first were like, you need a new name. That The name like Poffo doesn't fit someone who wrestles like a savage. Hence, where he got the savage part. And his mother was reading a Reader's Digest and learned that one of the new hot terms was going to be Macho Man, a la the song by, I believe, the village people, Macho Macho Man. And that's where he got that name, too. I like to believe that somebody went, um, you know, up to Terry and said, uh, you know, you wrestle like a Hogan. <laughs> I-, I don't know what that means, but I like to imagine that's how that went as well. Uh Yes, it certainly wasn't the fact that Vince McMahon in his New York, New England territory was trying to get a big Irish superstar. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you wrestle like a Hogan. Oh man, you're such a you wrestle like such a Cena. You're just <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, you know he he wrestled. His family had had a promotion. He wrestled against Jerry Lawler. But pretty soon into his career, he was in the WWF, uh, and really? he came in pretty much. What did he you know, do he before began, that? Anything before that? Or he had a feud with, like I said, he had a feud with Jerry Lawler. Huh. Um, he was in a promotion with his family, and they didn't like, uh, you know, they didn't feel like they were being pushed enough, so they created their own promotion. But then that folded pretty quickly because that's what happened with promotions back. In the territory days, and I suppose probably today too. Um, so he went and wrestled, you know, feuded with Jerry Lawler for a while, and then by 1985, he was in WWF. He came in as the hottest free agent in uh, in wrestling, and was wooed by guys like Jimmy Hart and Bobby the Brain Heenan, all vying for his managerial services. And he went against the grain and said, "My manager is Miss Elizabeth," and brings out this person whom, to that point, no one in the wrestling, well, no one in the mainstream WWF wrestling world had ever seen before. So, um, what was his relationship at that time with Miss Elizabeth? They were dating. Um, they met, she was a communications major, and she had started working for a wrestling promotion that Randy Savage happened to be working for. And actually, no, they were married at that point. They got married in 1984. So, they had. You know, he essentially brought his wife in um, as manager, you know, and she was the, you know, at the time she was the hottest, you know, 
which I mean, she would, well, I suppose I mean it in both ways, because in 1984, women like Miss Elizabeth kind of set the world on fire. She walked to the ring. Jesse Ventura was like, is that a movie star? You know, because she was seen as this glamorous, beautiful person. Um, and so, you know, she was there from pretty much the very beginning of Randy's WWF career. Um for a minute, I don't have huge information on the career of Miss Elizabeth because it's kind of sad um, how it ended. Um, but, you know, where does Miss Elizabeth rank in terms of managers, valets? Is she... Well, yeah, I don't believe she is in the Hall of Fame. Not to be, you know, a chauvinistic, reductionist pig of a man. So, But... but <laughs> Um, I mean this in the best way possible. Miss Elizabeth was the most prettiest lady. Yes, the most prettiest lady. I think that a 10-year-old Doc Manson had ever seen. You know what I mean? And she was really portrayed that. In a time before, we're talking pre the first diva. We're talking pre-Sunny, even. You know what I mean? Like, this is... Mm -hmm. Way back in the day, no other female associated with wrestling that I had ever seen was a pretty lady like she was a pretty lady. You know what I mean? Like, at that time, I remember there was, uh, 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 what's her name? Um, uh, uh, Sensational Sherry. Sensational Sherry. And, And she... She was not a most prettiest lady in the way that Miss Elizabeth was. She just had this face, and she had the hair, and she had this calm demeanor, and it seemed like, it really seemed like she was out of her element. Like, she didn't belong at ringside. She she was, she didn't seem like a manager, like, like, like a Bobby Heenan or a Jimmy the Hart. She, she almost seemed... You know, out of place, and sometimes she would be scared for Randy, and you, you you could see the fear or the pain on her face as these different things happened to him. And I actually think that helped him connect, you know, w- with an audience, an empathetic audience, more so than he would have on his own. Because as a macho man, I don't think necessarily, not that he didn't have the range of emotion or emoting, it's that it, it was incongruent with his character. So to have her there to, to sort of mirror some of that stuff, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, it I worked. It worked right. very much. You know, she always, to me, seemed very flat. Okay. Like, when they put a microphone in front of her and they asked her to say something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was nothing there. Like, she was a pretty face. She looked scared. She did good-looking scared. She did good-looking concerned. But that was about it. She didn't seem like a performer. Yes. And again, you started earlier than I did. I started 93-ish. So, you mentioned Sunny. Sunny is the first female that I can remember seeing. Like, I remember Sherry a little bit, but that's from probably watching tapes and stuff. Um, You know, it's... Sonny's the first one, and Sonny was very over-the-top and kind of in-your-face 
forgive me, but she was that she was that type. And so then when you go back and watch Miss Elizabeth, you're like, do something. But I think that in and of itself is kind of what made that work is she didn't come across as a manager like Bobby Heenan or, you know, any of that stuff. She was literally just his wife. She was, you know, she was there to be concerned for him. And if she got involved in any way, you know, so much the better, as we'll get to as we continue this. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, she showed up, but he was a heel. He was a heel and he didn't treat her very well. And, you know, that was kind of how it went. You know, um, he won the Intercontinental title. WrestleMania two. George the Animal Steel has a little, you know, innocent crush on Elizabeth because George the Animal Steel, not necessarily, you know, playing with a full deck, very Lenny of Mice and Men type. Well, I, um, I always sort of viewed that feud as sort of, you know... I mean, maybe not the feud, but that, that interaction with him and Elizabeth being sort of like a King Kong sort of yeah. interaction, you know? Yes, yes. It, it had a kind of, yes, there was, you know, there was an innocence to it. And I don't know that I can say that the King Kong relationship, I'm having, and I'm not sure if I've ever seen a King Kong movie. Um, but I don't know if I would call that an innocent relationship, although I'm sure, well, no, now I don't even know. But, um, but yes, and then, you know, the next thing we're talking about here is WrestleMania 3, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat. To many, one of the greatest matches, if not the greatest match of all time. I mean, they had a series of matches, did they not? Yes, they did, but this is the one that everybody talks about. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> When you asked me before, what do I think about? And I, I you know I, I didn't really give you a full answer. And I started to give you an answer, bef- but then I let you go on with your introduction. When I was starting to give an actual answer there, what I was going to say is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Because, yes, when I think Macho Man, yeah, I think about him feuding with Hogan. I think about him teaming with Hogan. But for some reason... This is the one that really stands out to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think also his his um, series, his, his feud with uh, Jake the Snake later on also stands out. But in terms of wrestling, Im- in terms of wrestling, yep. uh, this the is it. The image that pops in my mind is Ricky Steamboat has him by the throat, I think, and has lifted the Macho Man in the air. That's the the picture I see in my head. It must have been in a book or a magazine or something, because that's what I come back to. You know, when I think Randy Savage, I suppose I should have answered my own question. Athlete. I had never seen anyone, and still to this day, you don't often see a guy jump over the top rope, be in the ring, jump over the top rope, and effortlessly land on his feet. Yeah. Like, all the way to the floor. It was just like he would, there was nothing to it. It was just, I'm, you know, I think about that sometimes in my school. We have two levels slightly, one slightly higher than the other. And there is a place where you kind of walk around a corner and you go down some stairs. And there's a low wall there. And I think multiple times, could I, if necessary, kind of hop over this wall <laughs> and land on the f- Land and it's not, it would probably be a you know, I can see over the top of this wall when I'm on the bottom. So we're talking a five foot jump at most. I'm sure you could do it, 
but your knees would explode. <laughs> That's uh, it on uh, on impact. Either either my knees would explode on impact, or I would forget to get my feet out, <laughs> feet back under me, <laughs> and I would face plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. Either one is likely. Um, but again, it was that sort of thing. There were things he did that were just ridiculous. Um, you know, interestingly enough, you know, Randy Savage was one of those, one of the first, according to, again, the stories, who really wanted to plan the match out. It wasn't just a kind of call it in the ring sort of thing. They choreographed this. He had Ricky Steamboat come to his house. And they planned out move by move by move what they were going to do. And this is also one of the first times Hmm. you had a match with lots of near falls, 19 of them to be specific, that, you know, those kind of things didn't happen. Hogan hit you with a leg drop. You did not kick out. Right. It was just, you know, I, uh, I did not know that. I had never heard that before, that this was one of the first choreographed or or pre, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of planned matches. And that's actually very interesting to me because, yeah, you definitely think back to that time and you think about how the you remember this match and these matches, these series of matches, because it was an extremely high quality uh, back and forth sort of mat- series of matches where the athleticism, the excitement and all that sort of was unheard of at that time it really did make those contests stand out uh and and that makes perfect sense if in fact that that is the case i never picked up on the fact also as you just described that this was one of the first matches with lots of near falls i didn't realize that either Mm -hmm. but makes perfect sense because it does lend to that 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 sense of excitement and I'm sure, again, I'm sure if you went other places or saw, you know, in other promotions and things, but go back. Actually, don't because it's, it's kind of terrible. If you go back and watch any of the first three WrestleManias, that match seems to be we brought in aliens from a new world and they brought us their wrestling. Yeah. Because nothing else is like, you that. know, no, no. So, yes, um. One thing I found interesting, you know, and I and I knew this, but at the same time, like, I remember the King of the Ring, 1993, Bret Hart winning it, and it seemed like that was the first time they had ever done it. The King of the Ring has been around since 1985, hmm. and Randy Savage was the 1987 King of the Ring. Just So who won there. before him? Oh, let's see. That's a good question. Um... And at that point, he became the Macho King, if I recall. No. No? I thought that, too. Is that later? He did become the Macho He It was later because apparently, I'll get to this, but I mean, we, can, we can bounce around here. Um, you know, it was a title that could change hands. So there was King Haku. Okay, yeah. He had that gimmick. And then he lost to Jim Duggan. And now I doubt that Jim Duggan was going around calling himself the king for very long, but he kind of had that title. And then when Macho Man beat him, he had a whole coronation, interestingly enough, was coronated by the genius, his brother. And that's when he became the Macho King. But that was not until after WrestleMania five. OK, so what year was that? We're talking WrestleMania five is eighty. Nine. So it wasn't until four think. years after initially winning King of the Ring. He won, he he won, won the again. King of the Ring in 87. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So two years later, um, Don Morocco 
won the original, the 1985 one, and Harley Race, oh, I do remember this, King Harley Race, uh, won it in 86, and then Randy won it in 87. I remember when I was a kid, you know, I had a series of uh, action figures, wrestling action figures. I, uh, mm-hmm. I of course, had uh, Hulk Hogan. I think I remember having Bret the Hitman Hart. I, uh, I had the Ultimate Warrior, and I had also, uh, you know, the Macho Man, but not the Macho Man, the Macho King. He had a scepter. Yep. He had the crown. I might have had that same, because I remember having a Randy Savage Do you? with Macho King on the trunks. Yeah. Okay. That could, yeah. You know what yeah. else I had? Beefcake! It's the head bop and the satisfied smile that makes it. I I really did have a Brutus the Barber Beefcake action figure. Oh, I had tons of them. Oh, I did too. I had. I wish I had saved them. I think I had Ted DiBiase. I think I even had one of IRS. That's the thing. If a guy had an action figure, I think he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Yep. I had a Ricky Steamboat when he had. Mm. I don't you know, know if I really there, mean that. There's... I think there are people who had action figures who probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's got to be there some. There were lots of action there figures. There were. There is a Santino Morella action figure. Yeah. Well, I think Santino could, uh, you could make a case for him being in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, I remember because there was Ricky, there was Ricky Steamboat the Dragon where he wore kind of the martial arts gear. And then there was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat where he wore the dragon, like a kind of, you know, and he blew fire. And, you know, it was just this. That was towards the end of his career, no? That was, he had gone, he had left, gone to WCW come back briefly with that and then went back to WCW. Did so they, he kind of bounced back and forth between the Do you think they were punishing him with that gimmick? I don't think so. I think it was, it's the early 90s. This is the era of high energy where Owen Hart and Coco Beware wore those big, bright parachute pants mm. and suspenders. This is the era of early Undertaker. Everything had to be larger than life. That makes sense. And Ricky, Steam- Ricky Steamboat, outside of the ring, was not at all larger than life. So you had to have something like something like that. You want to talk um, about like a, a true, not to get off topic from the Macho Man, but no, I, a, a true this is what This is what this is supposed to be. A true workhorse of that early era. Like, he was nothing special. Like, he was not, f- and by that I mean he was not flashy. But no, man, Ricky Steamboat really does, in my recollection, anyways. He was involved in a lot of really good stuff. He was doing it between the ropes in a way that guys just weren't back in those days. You know what I'm saying? If if you haven't seen him, go find Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair. They had a series of matches in NWA, WCW, which are amazing. His work with stunning Steve Austin in 93, 94 WCW, very, very good. He... He was great. And the best part is he was never a bad guy that I can think of. But his real name is Richard Blood. Nice. Like, how do you not 
at least try well, that at some. I'm point. glad that they didn't because that's, that's <laughs> I mean that's at least a, that's a little too on the nose, don't you think? For even for a wrestling character, Richard Blood. What if they called him Dick Blood? I knew you were going to make that joke. I almost didn't tell you because I'm like, nope, that's where he's going to go. It just popped in my head. That would be terrible. That would be terrible. Oh, man. Speaking of Miss Elizabeth. Oh, God. What? Let's get back on track. Um, right around this time, you know, a funny thing happened, as it tends to happen with uh, very good wrestlers who are heels, is fans started cheering him, regardless of the fact that he was a heel, so they went with it. You know, um, I remember you know, deeply liking the Macho Man. I remember him being one of my are, favorites as a kid. There are guys who are too good to hate for that long. Another name that comes to mind, and we're going to do probably next month, another retrospective. Go ahead. Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah. You loved him. And again, The Miz is another example. Well, hold on. But uh, we can go neither here nor there. There's actually something here that I want to talk about. There's there's something. There's a nugget here. A a little nugget. It's a kernel. Um, They, they, Twitter, a lot of people, it seems like, have this, this opinion. At least I've heard it, you know, several times. Where, you know, you sort of hear about how, you know, people like to complain about the WWE a lot, right? And, and they talk about, well, what do you expect? Uh, you're, you're cheering heels, you're booing faces, you're hijacking the show. I mean, how do you expect them to tell simple stories uh, if that's what you're going to do, right? But but going back to it, going as far back as, as, as to the near beginning of this company... And like you just said, there's it's not just Macho Man. There's Roddy Piper. There's all these guys who they sold us as being these dastardly sorts of heels who were too good, who we cheered, who we loved. This has been going on in this business for a lot. I think people tend to think that this is a problem of the modern era. Audiences sort of cheering against what's being told. But you know what? I, I think we just sort of stumbled across it here. This has happened since... The beginning, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and it was easier back then to go with it because you could listen to the crowds and be like, okay, they're starting to cheer this Randy Savage guy. We might have something here. He's got all the in-ring tools. He's obviously charismatic. Now they're cheering him. All right, let's go for it. And then as we're going to see, because it didn't last a super long time. You know, before he turned heel again. And again, they could play with it a lot easier. I think social media makes things maybe not necessarily worse, but changes the equation a bit because now you've got to deal with how are the fans reacting in the shows and then how is everyone reacting online and then how are you reacting to the reactions and then how are you reacting to the reacting to the reactions and it just becomes this thing where now you can talk wrestling 24 hours a day and it becomes something much more than what it originally was yeah um so he turns babyface and he's feuding with the honky-tonk man who (laughs) is the Intercontinental Champion at the time over the Intercontinental title. And at one point, uh, Randy's Randy's got some trouble because other members of the Hart stable, including the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart, come down and it's three on one. And Miss Elizabeth needs to go get help. And so she runs off 
And who does she find? Real, me, uh, I didn't ah! even sing the right. I started singing. Can I tell you what I did? I started singing "Real American" like Dusty Rhodes theme song. <laughs> the real American Hulk Hogan. Ah, <laughs> so, that's a great theme song too. He uh, he comes and gets Hulk Hogan, or she comes and gets Hulk Hogan, and all of a sudden we've got the mega powers: Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, teaming up. We will have to save that because I think we can talk about the golden age of wrestling theme songs, which I know we've done before, but it's still always American good. Dream. Cow bell, cow bell, cow bell. <laughs> Man, that's cow, a, it's bell. so good. It's so good. Anyways, yes. Yeah. All right. So now we've got the mega powers. First yep. Survivor Series. Loved them. Again, we, talk, we talked about... Um, you know, how The Undertaker was there for so much, so many of the firsts. Macho Man, first Survivor Series, first Survivor Series match. Randy Savage, li- listen to this team. Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and we heard his music earlier t- tonight, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. That is... Five Hall of... I think Brutus is a Hall of Famer. I am I not sure about that. He should be, if he's not. I mean, yeah, it was his window that Janetti went through, so come on. Exactly. And and then you've got the Honky Tonk Man and his less than ideal team of Hercules. <laughs> Hercules was outlaw, pretty good, if I remember. I He was pretty good. He I, I liked Hercules. Yeah, uh, I did not. Outlaw... But... Outlaw Ron Bass. I don't know who that is. He was a cowboy. Uh huh. Harley Race. I the, don't know who that is. Harley Race is good. I'm kidding. I, I know who Harley Race okay. is. Okay. And Dangerous Danny Davis. I, Do you know who Dangerous Danny Davis is? He sounds he is dangerous. The referee. He is the referee turned wrestler. He was a referee, and then he was cheating, and he came out in like a white, you know, like. Me- not mesh, a white spandex top and black and white striped pants like a, re- like a, you know, so he didn't wrestle for long, and he wasn't very good but this was back in the day where you didn't need to be very good Wrestlemania 4 tournament for the world championship that is an all time classic Wrestlemania that is great would you say Love, it's the you know, first Wrestlemania that by today's standards is still great WrestleMania 1 is terrible. WrestleMania 2 is worse because they tried doing it in three separate locations. WrestleMania 3 is pretty good. Has Hogan slamming Andre and Ricky versus Randy. Yeah. There's, so there there are moments in good. 3 that are pretty good. WrestleMania 4 is probably the one you go to, though, because it is a who's who yeah. of guys. You know what I mean? It's in that tournament alone, it's Hogan, Andre, Randy, Ted DiBiase, Ravishing Rick Rude, Bam Bam Bigelow, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Like At that point, they're know. firing all cylinders with characters yeah. that you remember. That's the first time that they were like, we've got a huge roster. Let's use it. Let's have a 16-man tournament. Let's get Vanna White. Let's get, I think, Bob Euchre. Let's get. Alex Trebek. They had like you know, they had all of these uh, guest stars. 
So yes, Randy wins. He beats Butch Reed, Greg Valentine, the One Man Gang. Keep his name in mind. And Ted DiBiase to win the world title. Thanks to Hulk Hogan. And then the first ever SummerSlam. It's the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks, which is Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant. Now, why is that match special? Do you remember how that match ends? I do not. Elizabeth gets up onto the apron and takes her skirt off. And she's wearing, like, bloomers. Because well, because it's, you know, 88, 89. So she's wearing, you know, she's showing her underwear, which by today's standards, it looks like she's wearing, like... It was risque at the time. It was risque at the time. Andre and Ted DiBiase are naturally shocked. They go, <laughs> Randy and Hulk are able to pick up the victory. It's like in Roger Rabbit, where the, the, the jaw just clangs yes, on the, the ground eyes. and the eyes go, <laughs> just like that. I, I, that's how I remember it anyways. Random tangent, you know Sanity, NXT Sanity? Never heard of them. Okay, well, Eric Young's got a stable. Yes, you do. Nikki Cross the is guy. the one that's really good. The the blonde guy, not the big Killian Dane, the random blonde guy. Yeah. He looks like Christopher Lo- He looks like Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. If he had, if Judge Doom had scruffy little facial hair. Hmm. That's what I see every time I look at him. I'll have to look closer. All right. Their feud next Remember is me, the- Eddie? When I killed your brother, I talked That's a- like this! That's a great movie. It is a great movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Eddie Valiant. Oh, Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Oh, Bob Hoskins. Yeah, that, that really is. If you have not seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, folks. <laughs> That's another recommendation. We've made a lot of recommendations here. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix, so get on it. I think so. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. That's right. That was a moment in my childhood as well. She was the most prettiest lady. Well... You know, drawn that way. Eva Marie. <laughs> Can we stop talking about Eva Marie, please? Never. She's not a wrestler anymore, and she barely no, ever not. was. That's true. So, but it was there was such potential squandered. Oh. Um, the Twin Towers, Big Boss Man, and Akeem the African Dream. This is their next feud, and I'm talking about it solely so we can talk about Akeem the African Dream. Do you remember Akeem the African Dream? I remember the one-man gang. Let me just read to you from Wikipedia. In September of 1988, one-man gang's manager, Slick, the Reverend Slick, announced that gang was actually African and planned to re-embrace his roots. On an episode of WWF Superstars... It featured a vignette with Mean Gene Okerlund on location in an American ghetto that was dubbed the deepest, darkest parts of Africa, where dancers dressed as tribal Africans danced and chanted around a fire. Slick then announced that Gang would be known by his new name, Akeem the African Dream, though Okerlund immediately called him out as the one-man gang. This vignette received some criticism, as the Caucasian Akeem delivered a promo in which he spoke with an extremely stereotypical jive black accent and danced in the style of Dusty Rhodes while an African ritual took place in the background. That happened. Mm-hmm. And I gotta go find it on WWE Network. I mean, 
is is there an argument to be made that that you know you he could have African heritage as I suppose a, as a Caucasian man. Yes. Well, especially, you know, maybe not as a could be South African, man, but yeah, uh, yeah, South African. He could be South. He could be South African in which, you know, in South Africa, there's a large Caucasian population. Yeah. But I just find, you know, I, I remember seeing that and that was one of the first times as a kid. And again, I'm watching the tape. You know what the worst part in is? In my head, one man gang is definitely a white guy. When I try to think of Akeem the African Dream, he's not. No, he is wearing giant yellow and blue spandex with. I don't Africa think on I'm thinking of the same person. I think I'm thinking of someone else when I think of Akeem. Look him up, because you're wrong. You're probably right, because it's literally just the one man gang with his hair grown out. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that is not who I'm thinking of. That is not who I am thinking of. Who are you thinking of? What is he wearing? Like, what colors is purple. he? Purple. Like, purple and blue splotches? Are you thinking of Mabel? No, I'm not thinking of Men on a Mission. Um, hmm. Because, like, Coco Beware? Haku? Are you thinking of Haku? I might be thinking of Haku. Look up Haku. You might be thinking of Haku, because Haku did have purple, because he was an Islander. That's what Islanders wear. Mm, did Haku ever wear, like, up... did he ever wear, like, a singlet that covered his top half also? Not that I Because that's remember. what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of... A purple singlet. I mean, it wasn't really, this... it wasn't just purple. It was, like, kind of, it was kind of blue and purple, I think. Um... Are you sure you're not talking about Mabel? Because that's exactly what Mabel wore. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm not talking about Mabel. All right, we'll have to figure this out because now I'm just very intrigued. Because I'm like, I'm pretty well versed in late 80s to 90s WWF. And I can't, like, again, Coco Beware comes to mind, but you know who Coco Beware is. It's not Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson wore red. Oh, man. The show's coming to a halt. It is. Thus thus ends part one <laughs> of the Randy Savage retrospective. We will come back once we've figured out who Doc Manson is thinking of. Yeah, you keep going. I'm just going to keep uh, Googling here. I'll let you know if I figure it out. All right. So, anyways. So, Akeem, who is just one man gang with his hair grown out, wearing a different outfit. Um they're feuding with the Mega Powers, him and the Big Boss Man back when the Big Boss Man was a heel. And this is when uh, there starts to be a problem in the Mega Powers. And it has to do, of course, with Elizabeth. Elizabeth gets hurt at one point. Hogan carries her to the back, being the upstanding good guy that Hulk Hogan is. And Randy gets jealous. Yes, he as does. As Randy is wont, as wont to do. And that is the end of the Mega Powers. And that's WrestleMania five. Hulk Hogan beating Randy Savage and winning his title. I think that's the second title. Because I don't think he lost it in between. So, yeah, I think that's his second WWF title is is that. You know, and again, there's a great iconic image of Randy giving the elbow drop. What's interesting is uh, 
before that, Randy Savage was in the hospital with an elbow infection, which is why if you look at a picture, which I should look up now, of him at WrestleMania 5, um, you know, you can see just a giant elbow pad. And I'm trying to think if he used that elbow, because that would be a great testament to him. If he had? I think he did. I think he used that. That was the elbow he did the elbow drop from. And I guess it kind of makes sense that that would be the infected one. Oh, there's the picture of Ricky Steamboat holding him up in the air. Um, Yeah, hit him with the same elbow that he was in the hospital with an infection (coughs) for. So, he and Elizabeth split up. Elizabeth disappears for a while. Um, And as you mentioned, Sensational Sherry is now the manager. Stop looking it up. You're not going to figure it out. No, you're right. You thinking of Yokozuna? You thinking of Yokozuna? It's probably Yokozuna. I don't think so. No, probably not. I'm, it's going to bother me, too. But, uh, yeah, so now Sherry Martell, sensational Sherry, becomes his manager. And uh, the next big feud, which is at the next SummerSlam, because remember, kids, this is back when there were only four pay-per-views a year, so you had three or four months to try to figure out what your feud was going to be. Um Hulk Hogan teamed up with Brutus the Barber Beefcake to take on Randy Savage and his tag team partner, Zeus. Zeus! Zeus. So they had made No Holds Barred, a WWF movie, Hulk Hogan, and they find this guy, Tiny Lister, uh, to play Zeus, the bad guy. And uh, this is how far kayfabe has gone, folks, is that Zeus, the character from the movie, jealous of Hogan's success and the fact that he lost to him in the movie, comes to the WWF to beat Hogan in real life, air quotes, air quotes. In the movie, Uh, his name was what? Zeus. No, 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 no. Uh, Hogan. Was he Thunderlips or was that Rocky Three? That's Rocky Three. Rocky Three. he's Thunderlips. What was he in those whole bar? It's a good name. I remember it being a good name. It's not the best Hulk Hogan movie. The best Hulk Hogan movie is clearly... Suburban Commando. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Correct answer. Rip Thomas. That's it. Yeah, that's a good wrestler name. <laughs> oh, man. There's a feud in an alternate universe between Rip Thomas and Richard Blood, and we're not going to see no. it. Man, we need to jump dimensions. All right. Um, so, yes. So, Zeus uh, was terrible. Now, I like Tiny Lister, and I always get excited when I see him. When he was in uh, The Dark Knight, I, I marked he out. He was in The Dark Knight? He's, uh, on the boat. Oh, If you yeah. remember, Heath Ledge, he's the guy on the boat who, he's one of the prisoners who takes the bomb and, throws and it refuses over. to detonate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, not a great wrestler and could not figure out the names because um, he kept calling Brutus the Beefcake Barber. yes so just thought you'd like to know now he becomes the macho king now he becomes the macho king and his feud is with american polka dot so it is him with dusty Rhodes. this is not the time I thought this was the time when Sapphire leaves Dusty Rhodes, but that's against the Million Dollar Man because the Million Dollar Man buys her off. But yes, Dusty Rhodes and Sweet Sapphire. That was a terrible Dusty Rhodes impression. 
Um, so yes, feuds with Dusty Rhodes, and now it's Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior, not to WrestleMania seven, or yeah, WrestleMania seven or eight, one of those. Oh no, we're we are getting to WrestleMania seven. I'm wrong. Um, you know, he Ultimate Warrior is the champion, having beaten Hogan at WrestleMania six. Savage is trying to get a title shot and can't seem to get one, sends Queen Sherry out to try to seduce the Ultimate Warrior into giving the Macho King a title shot. I do recall one promo where she got down on her knees and watching it in hind- as a you know young kid on tape or something, I was confused as to why she would need to do that. Just showing. Stop looking it up. I can tell you're not listening. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of Rico, except obviously that's not correct either. That's like 25 years later. Yeah, I know, but I'm thinking that the ring attire. And he's also Caucasian. Yeah, I know. I'd like to point out. It's somebody who dressed like Rico, though. Adrian Adonis? Did he dress like Rico? Well, he kind of had that same gimmick. But he was also Caucasian. <laughs> Are you thinking of Patrick Clark from NXT? Yes. That's it. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on, because clearly that's it. Patrick Clark, 40 years later. Not bad news that's Brown. What I meant. It's not bad news Brown. He did not wear purple. No. No, he did not. All right. So, yes. WrestleMania 7, Ultimate Warrior versus Savage. And uh, Savage, it's a retirement match. I think it's that's how Savage had to get the the title matches. He had to put his career on the line, and he lost. And so he is done as a wrestler. And Queen Sherry is not a fan, and so she's slapping him and kicking him. And who comes to the rescue? Who was randomly in the crowd <laughs> and comes to the rescue bought a ticket. of her? She Yes, paying customer, jumps the ramp, security does not take her out, no, no. It's a good thing she wasn't at WrestleMania 33 this year, then. Oh, my goodness. That was crazy, that woman. Um, Miss Elizabeth makes her return to WWE to save Randy, and it's, it is one of the great all-time moments, because Randy's angry, and he's confused, and she's trying to explain, and finally they embrace... And, you know, people are crying, and he picks her up and puts her on his shoulder, and he's carrying her around. And, uh, you know, a a great moment. A great moment. And he seems to be okay with retiring and becomes a broadcaster. You know, I became first aware of the Macho Man because he was an announcer. Mm, Okay. You know what I mean? He 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 was an announcer. He, you know, that was where he broke out the really, the jacket with the... What do you call it? Strips. Oh, yeah, the streamers or whatever. Streamers, yeah. Streamers or there's some other word for it. But, um, you know, that's where he's breaking out that. And, you know, he wrestles every so often. Um, But, again, I'm getting ahead of myself because he proposes to Miss Elizabeth. And now we're getting into your wheelhouse because you know way more about this feud than I do. They get married at SummerSlam 1991, match made in heaven, match made in hell. So wait a minute. And, when uh, they got married, he was already no longer wrestling. He had retired. And he had retired more than likely because he had injuries that he hadn't necessarily taken care of. Um, but he also, you know, there was a 
there was a sense that WWE or WWF at the time was going in a new direction. This is around the time of Bret Hart. You know, it was kind of out with the old, in with the new sort of thing. Um, so he was still around, but he had he had storyline wise retired and was just a broadcaster. Huh. All right. All right. Because, as you well know, their wedding reception is interrupted by which two men? Well, I remember only one, really. Jake the Snake Roberts. Yes. And his his accompany, his henchman, I suppose, was, is the At Undertaker. that time, okay. Yeah. Because that leads to the what side are you on, not yours, Undertaker turns. Right, right. Face. And so at this, when this happens, this is when Randy Savage is talking to President Jack Tunney. Uh, you got to let me wrestle Jake. You got to let me wrestle Jake. And he's like, no, you said you're retired. You're done. We were going to honor that. You can't. And it's not until Randy Savage is attacked by Jake Roberts and tied in the ropes and bitten. The Cobra bites yes. him. Yes. Now that is an image. Legitimate, legitimately bites him. I was always like, how did they fake that? No, he bit oh, him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he bit him. It was supposed to be the other way around. Oh, really? Randy was supposed to get the better of him, and the the snake was supposed to bite Jake, mm. which actually wound up, they used that in WCW when Jake was there for about 30 seconds. <laughs> um, but no, Randy was like, it's fine, the snake can bite me. But the problem was, once a snake bites you, mm-hmm. it's not very easy to get it to let go. It's kind of up to the so snake. There was, there, there, was, there was a bit of a problem there, because Jake legitimately couldn't get the snake off him. That was great. So... Probably added to the imagery. Oh, yeah. I remember it being super uncomfortable watching that. Because it just was being dragged out and on and on. And you were just like, oh, God, make it stop. But, of course, there was nothing they could really do about it. And the cameras just kept rolling. Yeah. And I believe there was a good, a, a little bit of blood. Um, not as much as you yeah. might think, but. No, probably because the snake was still in the guy. Right, right. Fair enough. Um, but, yes. So then. Jack Tunney reinstates him, and they have their feud, you know, this Tuesday in Texas. I love how they had pay-per-view. You know, this Tuesday in Texas is the kind of pay-per-view name that you would expect with Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of his WWF career. We'll keep going, obviously, with that part. We can discuss whether or not we want to talk about anything after that because you know he goes to wcw and some stuff happens but you know i know you didn't watch wcw no but before we talk about wcw it might maybe it's sort of wrapped up in wcw but i always had heard that the macho man did not want to be a color commentator in the wwe he wanted to keep wrestling um and there was some friction regarding that Yes. You know, the the general idea was they were moving towards Bret Hart, Razor Ramon, Diesel, Shawn Michaels. This was the direction that Vince McMahon and WWF was heading. So even with Hulk Hogan, Vince was kind of like, you're worth something to me, but you're not worth as much as you think you're worth to me. So there were some problems where... You know, that was the issue where it was, it kind of was like, if you can make more money elsewhere, 
you should go. Right. And that's what did wind up happening is Randy wanted some money. No, well, that's one of the reasons. We can talk about the other supposed reason that Randy left at some point. But let's finish up his WWF career. He feuds with Ric Flair. Ric Flair has come to WCW, or WWF rather, excuse me, and says, oh, I know Elizabeth. I mean, I know Elizabeth. Biblically. And so I don't get that it. lead well he they sat and studied the Bible. Together, I see. Oh, okay. that's what biblically I see. means. Yes. Scripture. Um, so that yes. So that leads to and Flair's the champion at this point, having won the title at the Royal Rumble, ninety two, arguably the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. No, no, not arguably. WrestleMania the uh, greatest yeah, Royal period. Rumble of all time. They they wrestle at WrestleMania eight and Savage wins the title. He is he is now a two time WWF champion. Um, but this is nineteen ninety two. This is the year that Randy and Elizabeth separate and then divorce. Uh, and in an interesting breaking of kayfabe, they announce it in WWF magazine. Really? They actually say that they've divorced, but there's no storyline to go with it because Elizabeth is gone. She doesn't show up again until WCW. Hmm. So what happened so, there? Like in real life, is there any real information about that? Not that I want to there, pry too much into it, but there's not a whole lot there to go on why they, you know, I you can assume because Randy Savage um is an interesting guy and was an interesting guy his whole life. Like it was not necessarily a you know, it was not necessarily an act like his his bravado and stuff. And he was, according to rumor, very protective of her in the locker room. Yeah. To the point to the point where, you know, he was you know, if you looked at her wrong, he you know, he, he it's almost kind of what you hear right now about Alberto Del Rio and Page. Like if you look at her wrong or if you say the wrong thing to her, if you compliment her, he's gonna get up in your face. Hmm. So I'm reading from ProWrestlingStories.com. Randy and Liz, the true tragic story behind wrestling's greatest fairy tale. You know, Elizabeth and I were having problems. It happens that at the time, Elizabeth and Hogan's wife were best friends. They were running around together. I would call home and Elizabeth wouldn't be there. Elizabeth says I wasn't really finished growing up. I was reacting a little and acting out. You know, Ultimate Warrior Randy was very protective of her and did not, you know, appreciate over-friendly contact, yada, 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 yada. So I'm guessing it was just mm, okay that sort of thing. And again, people can go find this if they want, you know, more information. But I think it was there was jealousy there. You know, Randy suspected that she was having a relationship with Hulk Hogan. And, you know, however, hmm. so, you know, his, his, uh, his career wraps up pretty soon after that. He loses the title back to Ric Flair. He's feuding with Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. He loses, he was the runner up in the Royal Rumble, 1993, losing to Yokozuna. And, um, you know, his last pay-per-view match was at WrestleMania 10. I love this match. It's Randy Savage versus Crush oh, in a Falls yeah. Count Anywhere match. Oh, yeah, that's a good match. 
and, and it's weird because it's a false count anywhere match, but the gimmick in this particular match is you get pinned, you have to make it back to the ring by a count of ten. Right. So so at one point Crush pins him. It might have even been twice, Crush pins him, and Randy just happens to make it back. So Randy, after pinning him, because I think that once once your opponent makes it back to the ring, the ten count starts, pins him, wraps a like rope around his feet and literally pull using as a pulley to kind of hoist him up into the air. So he's dangling upside down. Yes. And so he crush can't make it back. You know, it's essentially a precursor to putting a forklift or a giant object on the big show so that he can't get up for a last man. Right. It's basically a last man standing match as opposed to a false count anywhere. Yes. Um, And I've actually, I've always sort of wished that they would do false count anywhere matches more like that match. There's just a little more to it. It makes it a little more interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is his last WWF pay-per-view match. He leaves in 1994. He continued to do commentary for a while, but he leaves in 94, joins WCW, wins a couple of titles there. He's with Rick, or he's with Elizabeth again. He's not with Elizabeth again. Um, he joins the NWO. He has a pretty good feud with Diamond Dallas Page, which makes Diamond Dallas Page a big name, which leads to his success later in his career. Wait a minute. He was, oh, he was with Elizabeth in WCW, but they weren't divorced yet. They were divorced. They were. I believe they were just, that was, they were at that point, they were working together just professionally. It was WCW was trying to capitalize on nostalgia. So at first, Elizabeth was with Ric Flair, I think. Oh, no. She came back at first. They brought her back. But she turned on Randy and joined up with Ric Flair. And the whole storyline is Rick is using money from Randy's divorce settlement to set up these elaborate, you know, VIP sections of Monday Nitro with all of this food and champagne and things, you know, and, you know, and the whole gimmick in WCW was that Randy Savage was crazy. That was it. Is He's a crazy man. He's lost his mind. Ric Flair's driving him even more crazy. Yes. You look like you're going to ask a question. I, some... I... I seem to remember this. Did Bill Goldberg stalk Miss Elizabeth as a storyline in WCW? No. Oh. Diamond Dallas Page stalked The Undertaker's wife in a WWF storyline. All right. I'll take your word for it. Which might be what you're Okay, yeah, that might be. Goldberg, yeah, Goldberg didn't have a storyline like that. Goldberg... Goldberg was just Goldberg. What you saw in WWF was essentially what they did in WCW. Okay. All right. With less talking. Thankfully. Um, He won the very first World War III pay-per-view, the three-ring 60-man battle royal, one of the worst gimmick matches of all time. But yeah, he's in the D- he's in the NWO. Then he joins the alternative NWO. When, back when one NWO wasn't good enough, you had to have two. So let me ask you something. Obviously, there's some real highs to the Macho Man's career in the WWE. When it, and, you know, some other people who got, went to WCW, came back to WWE, they had their moments again. After he went to WCW, did the Macho Man ever have any more peaks, any more heights? Did he 
He wanted, you know, so if he showed up, which was a big deal because he was a big name. Now this was, you know, Hogan was already there. You've got Sting, Rick Flick Flair's there. So, you know, when WCW was winning the Monday Night Wars, Randy Savage was part of it. You know what I mean? He did win a couple of titles. Um, he is the guy whom Hulk Hogan drops the leg on to join the NWO, which isn't necessarily a high, but it is a one of the biggest moments in WCW history, and he was there for it. Um, you know, he that feud with Diamond Dallas Page was pretty good. You know, Diamond Dallas Page's wife, Kimberly, there was this whole thing there because Kimberly had posed for Playboy and they kind of post, you know, they were doing stuff with that. It was, you know, some interesting things. Um, but then, you know, WCW takes a dive at the end and he comes back, you know, he takes some time off to heal from injuries. He comes back. He's got the beard. He's brought his girlfriend as a valet, who's a 23-year-old, I believe, former stripper. Known, and they call her Gorgeous George. You know, and by then he is in full-blown, I am crazy Randy Savage mode. Okay. So at that point, there is nothing else. Like, you know, he goes to TNA at some point, which I didn't even realize he was in TNA. He was only there for like three weeks or something. Yeah. So, you know, after I would essentially say his feud with Diamond Dallas Page is probably the last noteworthy thing he did. Like, and again, it depends on how much you like the NWO Wolfpack because he was part of that. But by that point, you know. Okay, so here's the thing. There's a lot of guys who went to WCW who who did their thing there. They They won some championships. They helped WCW be number one in the ratings for however long that was. And then obviously WCW starts falling apart. It's it's hemorrhaging money, and finally the whole thing up and collapses. And Vince McMahon steps in, buys the whole thing, and then you know yeah. here we are now. I don't know exactly what the timing on that is, but let's say we're now twenty years later or so from that happening. And in that time, a lot of those guys who went to jump ship. I mean, I'm talking about Scott Hall. I'm talking about Hogan. I'm talking about Kevin Nash. I'm talking about these guys who came back sure. to the WWE, who who had, you know, additional feuds, additional moments in that spotlight for the for WWE. What about Savage? He never came back, right? Nope. Nineteen ninety four he leaves and is never seen on WWE television again. The next time he's even really mentioned is around the Hall of Fame, which was a year or two ago. So let me ask you a question. Why? Now, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, rumor, speculation online, which we can or can't talk about, whatever. But it's on my list. But do you really think that's it? Or is there something else there? I will say this. Vince McMahon <clears throat> has buried the hatchet with just about everybody. <clears throat> the names in which he, who have not made a return are CM Punk, still too early. And I don't know about anybody else. 
You know what I mean? He was always willing to do business. He brought back Angle. Now, granted, Angle, they didn't have a rock. There wasn't anything rocky there. But Angle was a risk, and he brought him back. He's worked with Hogan multiple times. He's brought in guys like Sting and Diamond Dallas Page, who weren't even WWF guys, and brought them in. He Vince McMahon has proven he will do business with anyone who he thinks is best for business. But I will say this. I think he's... I think Vince McMahon has only proved that within the last five or so years. As he's gotten older, as he's gotten towards the end of his life, I feel like he's been more keen on sort of welcoming back some of these people. Did Randy Savage leave us too early before McMahon got into that phase? You could say that. You know, he died in 2011, so you could... It is entirely possible that in the last six years they would have done business. However, Hulk Hogan left on relatively bad terms. Yeah, but he was Hogan. Uh, you would th- when did when did Warrior finally come? Bret Hart. Bret Hart left. Yeah, that's true. On very bad terms, and he came. But back. how long was that? When did Bret Hart come back? It, Bret Hart left in 97 and was back by 04, 05, whatever time they had that. 05. Yeah, whatever time they had that match at WrestleMania. So that was eight years. Hall and Nash were two young lions who were going to be probably, you would assume, a core part of WWF's future going forward. They left to the point where they had to create, they created fake Razor Ramon and fake Diesel. To, you know, to kind of come back. So, you know, I think something had to be different. Mm. Now, maybe Randy Savage didn't want to do it. It seems like maybe he, he was, as back. you said, you know, he, he lived that gimmick a bit. He was a bit of a macho yeah. man. It's entirely possible he was a stubborn sort of headstrong. I don't mean that Absolutely. necessarily in a negative way, but... You know, there was a lot of things that went wrong there. He felt like he'd been wrong, like he hadn't been being pushed. He didn't want to be doing commentary. He got told if he thought he could make money elsewhere to go. Uh, maybe yep. he just sort of felt like, all right, um, forget Vince McMahon. Yeah, it's entirely possible. You know, we, you, I mentioned CM Punk. If he doesn't ever show up again, it's because he doesn't want to. And CM Punk strikes me as a similar sort of, I'm just not going to do it. I could make... $10 million, $20 million doing this thing. I'm not going to because I don't want to. Randy Savage does strike me as, as that guy. However, we've seen so many ways in which this worked the opposite. It does lend credence to the rumor that something must have happened. Something special must have happened. And then, you know, you can go look at... I don't remember if Triple H took a pot shot at Randy Savage or something like that. So then Randy Savage posted some video in which he alludes to a relationship. So if you don't know the rumor we're talking about, and I think everyone does, the rumor is that when she was 17 years old, which I'd like to point out would have been in 1993, 1994, right around the time he left, um... Stephanie McMahon had a physical relationship with one Randy Savage, and it was possibly her very first physical relationship. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Um, So the rumor is that that happened. 
And when Vince McMahon found out, and he didn't find out right away, the the the, the rumor is he found out years later. That was it. Randy Savage was not going to be a part of World Wrestling Entertainment Federation um, because of that. True, not true. I have seen no one prove it. So I will say it is just speculation at this point. However, there is you can you can believe it a bit given the history of who Vince McMahon will do business with. Something, you know, something must have happened. And again, it's entirely possible that it's just Randy Savage was crazy. Yeah. And they were like, we don't need hit the amount of money we're gonna get is not worth the crazy. Sure. But let's just mention the rumor for what it is. It is a rumor. I mean, I think that we, at the very least, I think we've brought up a good sort of point here, is that there had to have been something preventing a business relationship. Because, to your point, even Bret Hart was back in less than a decade. Yeah. Now, I don't know what that was. I don't know. It may have nothing to do with said rumor. But it seems like there was some sort of obstacle there, even if it was just Randy's being headstrong. These are these are the these are the facts as we know them. This is the rumor. This is what we know about the situation. This is what we know about how Vince McMahon does business. People can put it together however they want. Agreed. So, um, it's odd to end that way. But in all fairness, <laughs> that is... that's sort of how his career ended. It, it's that is that was the legacy until he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, which again was two years. Which maybe ago, we I should talk about because that's a little happier way to end. And it did, yeah, yes. So, twenty sixteen, I believe, was his year. He was inducted um, into the Hall of Fame. His brother Lanny Leapin Lanny uh, did the induction. I believe part of it was a poem. Um, so you know he was he was inducted. That was good for him. It was good for fans to be able to celebrate him because he is. When you think of the '80s era, when you think of '80s WWF, your first p- person is Hogan. He's very likely one of your next three or four pictures. If you say, if I say to any casual fan, name five guys from the '80s WWF, it's going to be something like. Hogan, Savage, Piper, Warrior. When you think about the 80s and you think about the larger-than-life characters, you think about, you know, those towering figures, those personalities, the colors, blazing neon across your screen. Like, it's Hogan, it's Warrior, it's Savage. Those are the three. Those are the three. I have eaten a Slim Jim. I have snapped into it. And the only reason I have snapped into it is because Randy Savage told me to. I love Slim Jims. I'm I'm not a fan. Mm. But I tried one. Tiny little pepperoni sticks. Mm, they're good. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, I'm yeah. going to snap so, into again. a Slim Jim after this. Do you have them? No. I could acquire them. Oh yes, if we if we record some DC and Doc talks, I will I will bring them to excellent, you. excellent. But um, but yeah, again, we don't want to you know I don't want to end on a 
speculative, potentially negative note. Though, again... Hey, here's the bottom line. Whatever happened, if nothing else, Vince McMahon got over enough to honor this guy's um, contributions to the very formative years of the WWE and of the mainstream sort of consciousness around professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. And he has taken his place, rightfully, I would say, in the WWE's Hall of Fame. One of the most colorful characters of all time. Yes. One of the most entertaining interviews of all time. And we could go through and find transcripts. I think we've done them, in, you know, of some of Randy Savage's craziness. The cream of the crop. Macho madness. You know, always comes to mind. Um, you know, again, one of the great pictures. And to top it all off, because, you know, there are plenty of guys who have been colorful characters. And ter- Honky Tonk Man, very colorful character. Not very good wrestler. No. In the ring potentially in if somebody said give me your top 10 wrestlers of all time he's going to be in a lot of people's you know what lists. i think is great about macho man and i i, I sort of started here by by joking around and and talking about that skyrim mod but legitimately you can go up to i think any person practically on the street and if you say i want you to tell me who this is I am imitating. And you go and you say, it doesn't matter how bad your imitation is, as mine is. If you just go up to that person, you go, ooh, yeah. Like, people know who yes. you are talking about. He he crossed over into the popular culture. Yes. He became part. Of, you can't say that about the Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior did not No, he that. did not. But Macho Man is someone he that did. everyone knows Absolutely. And maybe especially anyone our yes, age. Absolutely. And yes. you go to that means something. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Superior in-ring talent, superior charisma, great character. He deserves to be in the upper echelon of that Hall of Fame. And so yes, it was great that he got in no matter what drama surrounded it. And it might just have been that he tried to rap did you ever listen to him try to rap? No. It was not. Well, no, it was good in the way that bad things are good. I think I'm good. You should be. You should be. But yes. Randy Savage, thank you, sir. We honor you here on DDT Wrestling. We thank you for your accomplishments. Um, and, you know, we we miss you. We miss you. We miss you. What would Scott Steiner have been without Randy Savage? What would Scott Scott Steiner could not have been the rambling madman that he was without Randy Savage to emulate? Um. Anything else? <laughs> that is you... some praise, if that's what you want to call that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's do this. Uh, that's what I want to know. A Wait piece. a minute. When are we doing the Scott Steiner retrospective? That's what I want to know. I would gladly do, and I enjoy these. I'll just go ahead and say it. These are more fun than talking about what's happening in wrestling on a weekly basis. If we wanted to turn this show into just retrospectives, there are plenty of guys to talk about. true. I want to talk about Roddy Piper next month because, especially because Roddy Piper means something to DDT Wrestling. That's true. 
the very first episode, the last episode that no one heard, the last episode of DDT Wrestling happened on the day of his death. It did, and it was in June. It was in June, so on his anniversary, the anniversary of that death, which will be the two year, three year, two, two year, year, I think. I think it was twenty fifth. The two year anniversary of DC Matthews and Doc Manson sitting down to record some to cast some pods. Uh, we'll talk about the great Roddy Piper. Uh, let us know. Let's let's do that. Let us know who you want us to talk about. Uh, we should talk about Scott Steiner. Oh yeah. If only to try to diagram the sentences <laughs> in his promos. Um, but yeah, let us know. DDT Wrestling at gmail.com at Doc Manson at DC Matthews NAI. Who else you would like uh, to hear about? Give me a piece of positivity that is Randy Savage related. Just a match, a memory, a moment. Anything. I mean, it's him hoisting Miss Elizabeth up on his shoulders. Uh, And it could have been any any countless times, but probably... Because he did it when... He did it when he won the world title. That's probably the one I'm talking about. This has got the sequin jacket on. No, that's Mania 7. The black with the white stars. That's what I'm thinking of. That's Mania 7. That's when she comes back. No, because what, what was interesting to me is... WrestleMania four, he wrestles four times and she wears four different outfits. Awesome. And so at the last one, she's got like this white dress on and that's when he hoists her up. Um, oh yeah. That, that too. To... I was thinking of the sequin jacket, but that one too. Yeah. That's a real yes. good one. That's a good WrestleMania seven is a great moment. I will go with, Hmm. Let me try to think of some, I'm going to go with WrestleMania 10. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go with WrestleMania 10. He was, you know, I don't remember if he had the shirt. Because at one point, he was wearing a shirt and pants instead of the trunks. Um, but that was just a great end. That was an ending. You know, it was a mania that I was seeing early on. And it was something that I had never seen before. And those are always the things you enjoy. Those wrestling moments that you like, I have never seen this before. This is something else. So, that is it. Thank you. Mo- oh. I hit my microphone. Wouldn't be an episode of DDT Wrestling if I didn't hit my microphone. Um, thank you, Mr. Savage. We appreciate you. We appreciate you, Neighborhood, joining us for another episode of DDT Wrestling. Um, we will be recording some more DC and Doc Talks uh, where we can continue to talk about brunch strategy or catch-up gate or anything else that's on our minds. Um, anything else you would like to say, Doc Manson, before we head out into that good night? Nah. I'm good. Well, you're ready to go, and Bonesaw is ready. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. Until we meet again, my friends, we will see you around the neighborhood.